Whether it's dismantling the fossil fuel industry, creating a solar-powered utopia, or simply desiring to hear more birds in the sky than planes, this is Idealistically, a podcast where we discuss what we would idealistically want in an ideal world. Hello, my name is Tomea Gregory. I'm an artist and a climate justice activist, and I am your host of Idealistically, the podcast where I try to inspire you to radically imagine the future and maybe do some work to actually get us there. I am really excited to bring this episode to you with another guest that I have known for many years and really admire their work. It's also a bit of a pre book launch episode as we're speaking to an author. This is not sponsored in any way whatsoever, but I think the book is super relevant to people who are interested in these sorts of conversations or are like me have an interest in fashion and climate and anti-capitalism and how that all intertwines so yeah stay tuned if all of that sounds interesting to you let's jump in Thank you for joining me. I'm very excited to have you here. I like to get everyone to introduce themselves. So if you want to do that and let everyone know who you are and what amazing things you do. Sure. Well, who am I? So I guess in my work life, I am, uh, my name is Tansy Hoskins. Um, I'm an author and a journalist. Uh, my focus is generally on um, labor rights within the garment industry, the global garment industry, and uh, increasingly labor rights within sort of climate as well. Um, I be- I guess I am best known for writing uh, Stitched Up, the anti-capitalist book of fashion. Uh, I also wrote um, Footwork, What Your Shoes Tell You About Globalization. And I've recently just rewritten Stitched Up, which is now coming out on August the 24th as the anti-capitalist book of fashion. Uh, one of the ways that I found you was through the original version of Stitched Up. And I actually went back and looked through like my blog review that I did of it like very many years ago. And it's so clear that like your book was like one of my first introductions to like capitalism as a whole, because like my understanding of it was so like basic and simple. Um, but yeah, I, I like having conversations with people who have like been part of my kind of climate and sustainability journey because it kind of has built my version of the world from learning from people like you so yeah it's very nice to have this conversation with you I have a quick fire question during season two thanks to Together Band who are supporting this season of the podcast what UN sustainable development goal aligns best with you and your work yeah, well, I had uh, a little look at them again to like uh, this morning just to refresh my memory. I mean, uh, you know, they're all very, very worthy goals. Uh, so I kind of like all of them. But I think I would have to go with goal number 10, uh, which is to reduce inequality within and among countries. Um, I think the only caveat to that is like instead of reduce, I'd like to have the word eliminate. Um, but yeah, number 10, number 10, particularly working within the fashion industry, right, where it's just like all the money is sucked up to the top and everyone at the bottom, you know, doesn't even get the minimum wage. So, yeah, eliminating inequality would be the one I would pick. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good point. Why have we not reworded that? Why would we want to reduce it? Yeah, I'm not happy. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, we, you know, I think we can we can go further. We can go beyond a lot, a lot of these goals. Mm. 
Okay, so let's get ourselves started to get ourselves situated. Do you currently find it easy to envision an ideal world or at the moment is it a little bit trickier? There's a lot of stuff going on, especially in the UK at the moment and politics and stuff. So I'm really interested to see where you're at. Yeah, I actually I actually do find it easy uh, to 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 be able to imagine like a, a completely different world and a, a completely different system. Um, I don't know if it's just because, yeah, partly because things are so bad, both like at home and internationally that, you know, I, I like to, I like to sort of daydream, uh, and, you know, and, and these ideas that we can, can really build upon. Um, cause I think really at the moment you get a sense that, oh my God, we can do so much better than this. Like, even if we, you know, even if we just make things sort of 10 or 20% better, like it would be, it would be so much better. The people in charge are so rubbish at the moment. So yeah, I find it easy to to imagine doing better than this. That's that's nice to hear. I know some people find it a lot trickier when things do feel so not great. <laughs> what are some things you think that like make it easier? Like, is there any any practices you put into place? Like, I don't know what what kind of do you cling to to like make that image of a better world easier and clearer in your mind? Yeah, well, I think it's like I think it's really sort of fundamental to to keep doing that. Um, I guess, you know, it goes back to that whole thing of like, if you can't imagine it, like, how can you do it? Um, so it's not just kind of about like, you know, sort of sort of fine detailed city planning or or anything like that or, you know, or like having everything in place, but just like, like looking at things and, and not accepting them, I think is really important. Just looking at things, there's so much effort put in. Uh, from, you know, governments, you know, whether they're democratic or non-democratic and things like the advertising industry and, you know, a lot of the cultural industries and stuff just to make us feel like this is how it is and that like capitalism is somehow natural and the political system is somehow natural and the best people are in charge, you know, because like we live in a meritocracy or whatever. Um, I think it's really important just to push back on that and go actually like, no, like none of this is natural. Like this is a completely made up way of like organizing our collective resources. It's a terrible way of organizing our collective resources. And actually like, yeah, we can do, we could do better. And, you know, I think you can look at anything uh, like from, you know, from housing, you know, when you walk around, like how that could be better in the heat wave at the moment. It's like, how, you know, how do we stop thousands of people po- possibly dying in the next sort of couple of weeks? Like we know, like we know how to do that. You know, that's essential to, to housing, anything like who owns the land, you know, when you go to the park kind of thing. Um, like the, yeah, transport systems. If you think of going on holiday or whatever, like I just think anything that you come across, food in the supermarket, anything from like why the tomatoes taste so bland to like why, like why certain foods are so expensive at the, at the moment. It's just like I think we're constantly confronted with things that we don't have to uh, accept, and I think that's really important. I think it also, especially like if we put kind of like privilege into the mix, like if you're in a comfortable nice happy life where you're not touched by as many of these problems as some people are imagine how much better your life will then be like if we make it even better for everyone so I think yeah I, I often touch on that and I've, I've made artwork about the fact like we all deserve so much better and if life we can already met all of us can find great things like we can find even better things if we start improving everything from the ground up so yeah I, I also agree with that kind of way of thinking and 
it's nice to be curious about stuff too. Like it's quite fun to go around and be like, why is everything this way? Yes. <laughs> and to like, yeah, get your brain thinking. When we're kind of thinking about this and we close our eyes and we start imagining, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you envision your ideal world? Oh my God, like so much. Like when I start sort of thinking, start going down this path, like uh, it's just like a flood of, of stuff happens. I mean, I guess at the moment, like it's got to be, uh, it's got to be like living in harmony with the biosphere, right? It's got to be just like uh, ending our reliance upon fossil fuels uh, but I and, I and I I see that as like a really beautiful good thing, um, at, you know, and, and something that will bring like bring us so much more. Like it's not for me. That's not like not about loss. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's the main thing. But then you know, and I also sort of see going hand in hand with that is like this end this end to like inequality, like the really stark inequality that's been exacerbated by the the pandemic, uh, like a radical redistribution redistrib of wealth. Um, I'd love to see like an end to war, like, uh, you know, uh, the, like, uh, you know, what's going on in Ukraine is just horrific. Like what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan is horrific. Like I'd like to see, you know, like that's definitely part of my like ideal uh, future um, ending, you know, ending uh, like the, like bullshit jobs as well. And like giving people time to like uh, and resources to to do fun things, you know, to do to do cultural things. Uh, and to create their own culture and, you know, and to write and to paint and to make art and to make clothing and all, all that kind of thing. Um, definitely for me, like as a vegan, it's like ending sort of industrial, uh, industrial um, farming uh, is like really high up. Uh, and, you know, and overhauling the justice system, like so much. I mean, I, you know, I could I, like overhauling the transport system, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, like everything, basically. <laughs> Big mood. <laughs> Cannot agree more. Are you like quite a visual person? Like, can you imagine an image in your head when you think of that world? Oh, to yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And like, yeah, very visual. Yeah. Like, and, and I love like one thing I really love, like I, I read a lot of uh, like speculative fiction and like science science fiction and stuff as well which I find really useful for like just imagining like completely different societies uh, and stuff so yeah like I, I I can yeah do you have any recommendations we I've had a couple of, in this season especially I had a couple of conversations where we've talked about um one very specific book which is the ministry for the future <laughs> I don't know if you've read it yet but yeah that's a good one but if you have any others let us know well one book that was that really really influenced me uh is a book by Marge Piercy called Woman on the Edge of Time oh yeah I have it and I like started reading the first few pages but haven't like properly got in yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like it is it's a diff it's a difficult book in that it's a book of two parts and one part uh is incredibly like disturbing and difficult to read and probably that's where you started like yeah it's 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 horrific um the other like half of the book which is kind of where the chapters are interspersed is set in this utopian society. Um, which is re like really wonderful. So it's kind, it's worth reading the really hardcore bits to get to the like, yeah, the really like beautiful imaginative bits. I will definitely have to set aside the time to do that. I think um, I spoke with Joyce Lynn Longdon from Climate in Colour, and I think she also mentioned that book during our conversation. So 
it's definitely on the list for people. I also like to discuss like the things that we would keep from now because as much as we want to overhaul everything, like you said, there are still some things I think that we can find in reality that are great and joyful and wonderful. So what are some things that you would take from this current world into the future, into an ideal version? I think for me, it would probably uh, like probably be books and, and music. Um, like I really seriously want to overhaul the publishing industry. Like don't, don't get me wrong. Like there is so much uh, wrong with it, so much inequality, so much that isn't working. But um, at the same time, you know, I like I love I love literature. I love books. Um, I I love a lot of the work that's produced. You know, like from the small presses. You know, not up to the like the big the big publishers and stuff. So yeah, I wouldn't want to lose that. Um, uh, and similarly, like with music as well. Like uh, yeah, I'm like a big music fan. Um, even the you know even the sort of like trashy stuff. I'd like to bring, I'd like to bring <laughs> that in. But again, you know, I don't know as much about like the music publishing business but there's there's clearly a lot that needs overhauling um and a lot more kind of equal opportunity so that people can have like can make music and and live uh you know and, and more equal access to like to stuff um but yeah mu- music and books would definitely definitely come in i think to the to the to the next chapter yeah definitely i was thinking last night when i was we were in the car we went for a nice went to the seaside went to clevedon near bristol it has like a lovely like marine pool you can swim in and we were listening to like some throwback like 2010s music in the car and it's that kind of like trashy stuff which I don't like not really my music taste now but just like it it's amazing how your brain can hold lyrics from songs from like years ago like for no real reason but they're still like great like yeah great tunes music is just it's just one of the wonders of life and I think also the like legacy of music and like musicians and artists like the fact that they can pass away but you can still enjoy what they've created I find that really magical and beautiful yeah like totally and the way it like unifies people as well like you can you know like you can go to a I went to a a gig a couple of weeks ago in Hammersmith and like you know you're in this enormous space where like you know, I hadn't been in that kind of crowd for ages and all these people you didn't know. And you just kind of looked around and I was like, I could have a conversation, like a deep conversation, basically about this music with anybody in this room. And like, we all have something re- like to say to each other and something that we're really enthusiastic about and stuff. Like that was, that was quite a nice feeling. Similarly, on that vein of like keeping things from now, are there any kind of places, events, anything that happens now that kind of transports you into that ideal world? Maybe it is like a concert, I don't know. But like when you're there, it's like, okay, this is this is the feeling I want in the future. This is what we need more of. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking uh, about this question and, and where I'd kind of come across like that that feeling that I guess of like you know another world is possible right like and and yeah definitely like you get it occasionally like in in sort of culture uh and stuff but I think where I kind of really felt I don't yeah like quite strongly that something like quite timeless and and really international uh was happening was during um last year we ran I helped uh organize like a campaign like the justice for Jasri campaign 
um, which, uh, you know, should never have come about, but but came about because there was a, a young woman uh, called Jessri who was a garment worker in Tamil Nadu uh, and she was raped and murdered by one of her factory supervisors. And there's been a big global campaign to try and get justice for her, which has actually in, in one sense been quite successful. Um, in getting this new agreement called the Dindigul Agreement to try and eliminate gender-based violence and stuff. So, it, yeah, it was really like a really dark, kind of like uh, unhappy, uh, upsetting sort of campaign to work on. But um, I felt that kind of sense of you know like solidarity and like a, a new world when the um, actually the RMT union in in the uk so obviously the the one the guys who've been or the people who've been doing the big uh like the big strikes on the trains and the tubes recently um they one of their london branches on the victoria line actually like ended up um affiliating and supporting like the justice for jasri campaign um and it was just like this amazing feeling really where you had these like london train drivers kind of like stepping up and like passing this motion to support like women garment dalit women garment workers in tamil nadu uh in in india um and yeah and they just like they just sent this like beautiful message and they supported the campaign and they offered to like make a donation and they just took it up like really strongly and it was just this sort of um sense of like internationalism kind of transcending national borders in a way that I think is really important and sort of uniting uh like sort of shared experiences like they were like you know we like as train drivers and train workers they you know they were able to understand some of the struggles that like garment workers in india um were going through and yeah for me like that was like that was one example i think of where i was like wow like this really is possible like we have so much more in common than we do you know that that divides us so yeah a bit of a long a long story but for me that was i was like wow like and like we we can do this like you know another world is actually is totally possible uh we have this long tradition of global solidarity that's really nice i really like that example i think i've been in like activism spaces where there's been a lot of talk about like being a movement of movements and i've been around people who just don't seem to understand that and they'll kind of like okay well let's buddy up with the next door like climate movement it's like that's not the point. <laughs> we need to be working with the people who are like outside of that and outside of ourselves. And yeah, I really, really like that example. Like, I kind of wish I could share it with those people who don't quite get it. Be like, this is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, feel free. I mean, yeah, it's like it's a it's a beautiful, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a beautiful example. And we need like we need so much more of that. So speaking of your work in that kind of space, it would be great to kind of delve into that a bit more if you want to kind of explain more about your work in more depth. I think for me, understanding kind of people's roles and how they work is really interesting in how that future is then built. Like what are people contributing to building an ideal world? Yeah, well, I guess like I guess the contribution um, I'm trying to make uh, is sort of demystifying the fashion industry and and the global garment industry uh, and kind of peeling back like the sort of like the advert side of the of the garment industry which sort of says 
you know, that workers are treated really well and that the planet is treated really well and, you know, and that there's kind of no problems here. And so, yeah, I tried to, I tried to investigate that um, and like show where there have been like these massive like labor rights abuses, uh, which we saw a lot over like during the COVID pandemic um, with workers becoming sick because they were being forced uh, to work in very unsafe, unsanitary conditions or um, or where you saw workers being sacked uh, and not paid properly and and like uh, and, and that kind of thing. We sort of millions of people faced with the choice of like either go and work in this like really dangerous, dodgy factory or have literally, yeah, have no money, basically, um, which is yeah just like um impossible and it's just really sad because you know like the rana plaza factory collapse um in 2013 which killed over, like over 1100 people like that was supposed to be the watershed that changed the fashion industry you know that was supposed to be where fashion grew a conscience and blah 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 everybody was treated perfectly but what we saw with covid was the exact same principles that the people that have been made most vulnerable by capitalism are the ones who were expected to bear this in this risk uh like you know and this economic risk and this social risk that was brought about by the by the pandemic so yeah it's kind of like it's just business as usual with within the fashion industry the the rich are getting richer and richer and richer. You know, the, all the, the billionaires got wealthier over the pandemic. The top 20 fashion companies, you know, their share price was greater after the pandemic than it was before. Um, meanwhile, the people at the bottom of the fashion industry, the garment workers are, are getting, you know, are getting poorer uh, and poorer. So, yeah, I try to like, yeah, work in that kind of intersection between fashion and capitalism, basically. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think that the point about like the Rana, Rana Plaza collapse is like, yeah, <laughs> when you think about the climate crisis and COVID and all the, the kind of major kind of events where it's like a natural disaster or the pandemic, you kind of think what has to happen for something to change? Like how bad does it genuinely have to be? And it's horrible to think that there as a ha ever has to be a thing that bad to make people, you know, start changing things. It is can be exhausting when you look at it through that lens. Yes, when like yeah, when you you know people suddenly sort of start growing a conscience or whatever, and you're just like, where have you been? Like how <laughs> you know, like these are your supply chains. How can you not like you know, like you know how you've been making all that money over the past like decades. Yeah. In terms of like, obviously, you mentioned you are publishing, releasing a new a version of Stitched Up, the book. Is there anything in there which you can speak to, which might be interesting to just speak on now, like kind of new information? Yeah, well, there's one like one thing I thought would be quite like useful to talk about particularly so within the context of idealistically I put a thought experiment at the heart of this new book right so the first part of the thought experiment is to envisage what kind of a world you actually want to live in oh perfect yeah yeah so for some <laughs> people you know that might be a few gentle tweaks like oh I want to work a four-day week or you know like I don't know I 
less pollution or whatever. Like for some people, you know, for like you yourself and myself, that will be, it'll be like radically different, right? Like, so everything like housing, infrastructure, energy, like transport, everything will be radically different, like collectively owned means of production and, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's like the first half of this thought experiment. Then the second part of the thought experiment is, is the question, within this radically different world that you have created within, you know, on paper or in your imagination, like what is fashion for, right? So, and what I'm trying to get people to kind of understand is kind of what is the way that fashion has been hijacked under this system. So I think we are living in pretty much like the worst way of organizing our collective resources, as, as I've said. And under this system, it's like fashion is literally like an excuse for the rich to exploit the poor and for the rich to exploit um, the, the planet as well. Right. So all, all we're seeing is, quite, you know, is like colonial pathways just kind of being trodden uh, in the same in the same way, like billionaires getting richer, garment workers being treated terribly and stuff. And like that's kind of the point for it of it. It's like, you know, boost those shareholders, do what you've got to do, like boost the profits. But I'd like people to sort of think about like in a radically different society and no matter how radically different, like what would fashion be for then? Like, would it be, you know, would it be for expressing your mood? Would it be for it like expressing joy or, you know, would it be for like tracking the phases of the moon? Would it be for like identifying with a, with a specific group? Um, you know, would it be for like attracting people or repelling people? Uh, would it be to sort of signal something about your identity? Do you know what it like? Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many kind of like options for what fashion would be for, which are so much better than what fashion is for, like uh, at the moment. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of that's like the thought experiment that I try and bring people back to, like in, 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 in a lot of the chapters, just kind of saying, like, look, at like, look, like this none of this is good. Like all of the good bits about fashion, like the creativity and the joy and whatever has all been hijacked. And it's all just about this like share, like shareholder profits now. I think that's really interesting. The point you make about like identity, because I feel like people use that now, even though when you look at like where the majority of people shop in like fast fashion and high street stores and stuff like there is no real identity in that when you're all wearing the same thing when you're all going to buy into trends and you're all wearing what the fashion industry says is the right thing to wear like there is no self-expression in that when you are all following the same trends <laughs> yeah I mean it's like it's quite I, like I think I mean people do I think the best they can right are, are under like quite difficult circumstances where yeah you get no like you you know you get very little chance to be creative in your like in your sort of daily life and stuff and yeah I think pe people do what they can but it's like it's just a kind of shadowy flicker of what could actually you know what we could actually have if like if people had access to you know to to create like to design you know if design was democratic um, if people, you know, if, if the, there weren't all these stupid fashion rules, like that are based on, you know, like sexism, homophobia, racism, uh, and so on. Like, I think we really could see like an amazing explosion of creativity. It definitely goes back to the kind of earlier when you're saying like, everything's made up. It's like, it really is like all these rules that we put on, like, 
yeah, like you say, like gender and like who's allowed to wear what. It's like we live. <laughs> I said I feel like I've definitely said this many times on this podcast, but like we live on a rock in the middle of the universe, and we are telling people they can't wear a certain shape of fabric, or that like yeah, that you can't wear pink or you can't wear blue or you you know or you can't wear trousers or skirts or whatever. Like it's it's um it's such an interesting conversation um I have an a baby niece and my sister has been dressing her like just in whatever way she wants and when people see my baby niece in like blue it's they just immediately think like she's a boy we're like in 2022 <laughs> how are these the ways we're still thinking I don't know yeah it's true and it's it but it's like it's so it's also like quite a recent phenomena that blue like blue was traditionally like more of a feminine color and pink was like more fiery kind of masculine and certainly if you go you know if you go around the world you go to south asia and southeast asia like you know pink like loads of men wear pink and stuff and it's just like it's so made it's all these rules are so made up so annoying so made up Obviously, your work, you've had a lot of conversations with people who are actually in the industry, who are kind of on the front lines, impacted by how terrible it is, garment makers. Obviously, at some point, I would love to have conversations with people who are in that position. But I'd love to know, like, what have you learned from those people, from garment makers, about what they want for an ideal world? Yeah, like, obviously, like, I can't speak for garment workers. But yeah, like like you say, you phrased it like, what what have I learned? And I mean, it's definitely, so there's a couple of things, you know, we're, we're sort of talking about utopian ideals and stuff in, in to a certain extent. But there's some quite, like, basic and, like, achievable things that people would just, like, would actually really like. Uh, which they are not being allowed. Uh, the first of these, which would be absolutely transformative for the industry, is a a living wage. Um, and like this is so achievable when you look at the amount of money at the top of the industry and the amount of billionaires at the top of the industry uh, and the amount of profits, you know, that these big brands make. Like it would be so achievable just to pay people enough so that they could live uh, on on the wages that they make from working away in these uh, in these factories, and um, like it would have been, it would have made such a massive difference, like with the with the COVID pandemic, right? So um, wages are so dire that that people, you know, generally women like don't have enough money to save for medical emergencies such as COVID. So when something like that happens. Like they, you know, there is no choice about whether to go back to work in a in a dangerous factory or not. Uh, you know, similarly for the workers in in of Rana Plaza, there was no choice, no real choice about whether to go back to work uh, in those uh, da extremely dangerous factories that people knew uh, were dangerous. Um, like similarly, you know, just like the living wage is a protector of of like basic women's rights. Uh, so it means, you you know, if you have an abusive husband, if you're being paid the living wage, you can leave that husband. Uh, you know, you can you can put your children through school. Uh, you, you can you know, you can pay for de decent food. You can pay for, like look, look after your aging parents. And then like on a like on a national level. Uh, like, you know, if people are being paid the living wage, it completely transforms like the taxes of, of that country. So, you know, the state itself is then stronger and the state itself is then able to pay for things like uh, building inspectors, for example, or um, or health services. 
you know, which are absolutely vital, like during uh, during the pa pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's not. It's like it's really vital for individuals, but it's also really, really important for like entire countries and entire regions of the world um, that people are are paid properly. Um, otherwise, you know, you've just got brands basically stealing, uh, like stealing from uh, from people, thieving thieving wages and turning them into profits. Um, so like, yeah, that is that that's a, that's an absolutely massive thing. The other thing you know, that people aren't being allowed, which is a basic like human right, is the is the right to be part of a trade union um, and to not be persecuted for organizing uh, in that trade union. And, you know, we're seeing that very, very strongly in the case like of Myanmar uh, under the, the military dictatorship. But then, you know, we're also seeing workers being badly persecuted in, you know, in, in Bangladesh, uh, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, um, so yeah, if people, if people were actually allowed those basic rights, you know, which are not utopian rights, but are just very current, like recognized human rights, then, and things would be very different in the, in the fashion industry. For people who maybe don't know as much, what does a union do? Like what are the benefits for those garment makers if they're able to do that? Yeah, well, so there was, um, there was uh, like the best way I think I've like ever heard it described. Um, so there was a, a Scottish trade unionist um, like who organized or helped organize like the chain chain makers back in the like Victorian times. And she basically said that like uh, a woman uh, on her own uh, is like a stick right like she can be just like snapped like snapped in half by her employer um but uh, women like acting together or workers acting together and coming together in a union is like a bundle of sticks and it's incredibly hard to snap uh, a bundle of sticks right and like and that's the difference like if you're by yourself like you're screwed basically if you're in you're in a factory and you know and like anything happens like um you know, like your supervisor starts making inappropriate, uh, like comments about you or trying to touch you inappropriately or, you know, cracks appear in the building or, you know, the, the boss like, um, bricks over the windows uh, to conserve heat in the factory or, you know, like you're being threatened with being fired because you were 10 minutes late because the, you know, the bus didn't arrive or like, you know, anything like, or your boss just decides not to pay you for the overtime that you've done over the past month. Like all of these are like, you know, real things happening all the time um, in, in garment factories. If you're by yourself, like you're in a, like you're in a, you're in a very, very difficult position. If you're in a union and you are all together and you're like this bundle of sticks, then you are like, yeah, you are like, you're, together uh, and you can do something about it you can maybe like protest to the to the supervisors uh you can put demands forward to the bosses you can um you know you can walk out on strike if if like uh, if if you need to uh you can lobby for things to change um it's just it's a really just transformative thing to like work together and, and work uh, collectively yeah definitely one thing i just looked up uh, it, was, it was mary MacArthur. Uh, who was the unionist with the train, the chain makers? Um, yeah, I didn't want to like. Yeah, I mean, she's there's a, it was a long time ago, but I couldn't remember what her name was.
So having kind of learned all of this and, you know, throughout all the work that you're doing, and I've asked other people who are kind of in the fashion space this question, what does fashion in the future look like to you? Yeah, what does fashion look like? I mean, I don't want to be too prescriptive about this, right? Like, because I don't think anybody knows uh, what it would look like. And I think the point is not to kind of... um, like know exactly what it is you're aiming for in a like in a weird way when it comes to smaller things like like uh, like how would we be dressing and stuff i think the thing is is to get to the point where you can radically change it and then like have a good time seeing what happens <laughs> um but i definitely you know we've touched upon like getting rid of the rules all the stupid rules and i think that would be something that would like yeah that we we would need to do uh like democratic access to design so everybody everybody being able to design their clothes uh if if they wanted to uh and their shoes and kind of you know and certainly people learning how to like how to make things and how to mend things would be a big part of it um but i think probably the big transformation would be in the global south right like where you would first of all sort of like transform the ownership of things like cotton fields uh, and and mills and factories so that it wasn't just certain like a tiny class of people who owned these things but so that they became collectively owned kind of communal resources Um, there would certainly be a dramatic reduction in the amount of clothing that was being made and certainly I think kind of much more localized production uh, would be absolutely essential in kind of making stuff you know but this is what I'm talking about with like what is fashion for like if if fashion is like to clothe the body and like to to bring some enjoyment not to like make massive profits for Shein and Boohoo and whatever then you are like then you're not you know you're not having to churn out millions and billions of bits of clothing um anymore because there's no point to that so you just you know that wouldn't be a thing anymore and like and in terms of like you know what would happen to all the people who'd worked in those factories like well there's like there is so much work to do in order to get to a green transition isn't there i mean all the like uh all, like all once we've sort of redistributed wealth i mean all the clearing like the clearing up of the mess that that's been made uh, and the and the the restoration and the rewilding of of like of huge amounts of land um you know big like engineering jobs we'd need to train people uh, to do that i'm sure you know a lot like some people would want to go back to working closely with the land a lot of the time garment workers you know are people who've been driven off the land by climate change and that kind of thing so um yeah there's like yeah a lot a lot of change uh, like we, we would see certainly yeah and that point about um you know what what would you do with people who work in the industry now it's like if we do it right like nobody gets left behind and we need to like highlight that point a lot more within these conversations when people are like well if we don't shop with these brands like these people don't have jobs so it's like well if these brands take responsibility in the right way then those people will continue to have jobs just in a different way yes yeah I mean we can't yeah like ultimately we can't keep um yeah we can't keep producing in in the way that we are producing but the change any change has to be like solidly located I think in 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 you know like pick a factory and in in Dhaka in Bangladesh and like it has to work first and foremost for those people 
like for the, for those women? I'm actually going to jump us on to the fun question of the episode, the podcast. So get your thinking cap on. Okay. In your ideal world, if you had no rules, no limitations, what is something that you would invent? <laughs> I think I know where this one's going. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I would really like, um, so I don't, so, so I'm not going to say like a transporter machine or like a Star Trek machine. Like I would, because I, because I do like the sort of slow travel, but I would like a, um, like a like a, some kind of like a wind ship basically um where you travel long distances but it would be like a form of slow travel and where there would be clearly like no pollution yeah you wouldn't but you wouldn't be on the on the on the roads or anything so you brought you would be in the sky yeah certainly like i don't you know i don't want i don't want our lives to become smaller i was going to start introducing a new rule which was if someone mentions a new form of transport because everyone has given that answer um they'd have to give a second thing so if you have a second idea (laughs) we can give you a bonus round okay okay that's really interesting that everyone's just like talking about travel oh yeah I'm so original <laughs> and then like oh everybody's done that well I might like can I am I allowed to steal and uh, like uh but with credit so in um in Woman on the Edge of Time like uh Marge Piercy's book so one of the really cool things they do is they have these like algae like like dresses and clothes that you that you can like that you print that you have these machines that can like print these really cool like party clothes and um they're literally like you know you 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 wear them for festivals or parties uh, and you wear them once and then they kind of just dissolve back into the um like yeah into, as algae and just go back to being algae yeah i think when i spoke with joycelyn she mentioned uh, a similar thing from that book yeah <laughs> but you know what I think this is like this podcast is becoming almost like a people's assembly of ideas like the more people who say it surely that's a good sign because these are the things we all genuinely want so I actually kind of love it <laughs> yes yeah, so yeah I mean yeah I think yeah it'd be cool and it's like it kind of points it's like okay but more creativity right more creativity not not less yeah all right so I also like to leave people with something they can kind of go away with and maybe start working on in order to get us to this ideal version of the world where maybe we are just completely rebuilding society and ensuring that kind of like justice and you know workers rights and stuff are a core part of that what is one thing that listeners can do to help make that world a reality I would encourage people to get involved with groups uh, and campaigns that are already working to transform the rights of garment workers in the fashion industry. So the Asia Floor Wage Alliance is just is a really good place to start, I think, um, if people want more information about like why a living wage uh, is so important and what conditions have been like for workers uh, during the pandemic and and then in this sort of post hopefully post pandemic world um there's also you know there's also like groups like labor behind the label and war on want and the clean clothes campaign um like with like within europe uh there's homenet south asia who do really brilliant work like documenting and campaigning for home workers yeah i would i would go and find 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 where this work is already being done 
uh, and and join in, you know, like follow social media accounts, um, like do film screenings and and like talks in colleges and unis and workplaces and, you know, call out brands, like write letters to brands, join in with like solidarity protests and demonstrations uh you know when activists in Myanmar Bangladesh and so on get locked up you know be part of calling for them to be released you know writing letters to the embassy and uh, and things like that and um yeah like demonstrations within like within the global north are really important as well for holding the industry to account so yes i think everyone's role is different but everybody there's 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 something for everybody to, to get involved with in within justice for garment workers and changing the impact of the of the industry on the planet as, as well it's like that quote that you mentioned earlier can be applied to kind of being part of the movement as well it's like we are all stronger together in that sense yes yes be a be a bundle of sticks don't be a stick don't be a stick on your own <laughs> Okay, that is all the questions. Thank you so much for joining me. With your book, whereabouts can everyone find it and order it and all that good stuff? Well, yeah, so Anti-Capitalist Book of Fashion is available currently for pre-orders uh, on uh, Pluto Press and all good like bookshops. Obviously, support your local bookshop if you can. Uh, it's, also, it's on bookshop.org and Waterstones and... Uh, yeah everywhere where you would expect to be able to buy books you you can pre-order or buy it amazing well I will definitely get my hands on a copy because it's been a while since I read the first edition and I'm very excited by the imagination theme throughout it it's perfect for me yeah it's big like it's it's a bigger book yeah it's definitely like it's bigger more solid and got like a a new cover as well so yeah I, I think I think you'll like it and I look forward to hearing what you think about it as well well thank you so much once again and yeah it's made me feel nice and hopeful amongst uh all of the stuff going on at the moment (laughs) good thanks for having me great chatting with you Thank you so much once again for listening to another episode of Idealistically. If you would like to support the podcast further, please do rate, review, like, whatever you got to do to give the podcast a support on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this right now. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at IdealisticallyP and on Instagram at, at IdealisticallyPod. You can find myself, Tomea, at, at Tomea, which is spelled T-O-L-M-E-I-A. I actually recently joined TikTok. Yes, I joined that dreaded app. Um, I'm making lots of kind of arty behind the scenes content of the artist side of my work. I recently got awarded an art studio, which is very exciting. So if that interests you at all, then do give me a follow over there. But for now, I will let you go to continue imagining an ideal version of the world and to get ready for the next episode. Sound and editing by myself and music by Stowe Gregory. Yeah.